Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Alicia. And this is Camp Final Girls. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Welcome everyone who listens to us. <laughs> Welcome you crazy dolls and gents <laughs> or whatever. Whatever you call yourself. Whatevs. Welcome. So today I'm doing an episode which we'll chat a little bit before, but I just wanted to let the peeps and peepettes know <laughs> it's going to be a multi-parter on accident. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't mean it, but I was watching a documentary for this case and just on the first episode and there's three parts, I got like seven pages of notes, which is enough for one episode. So well, it's going to be a multi-parter. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, um, this week's been crazy for me because... Again, I'm working overtime and I'm also trying to consolidate all everything from my daughter's room into my room because my sister and her niece or her niece, my niece <laughs> are moving in. So I'm really excited, but I'm also stressed because my entire family is showing up this weekend. And so is dun, 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 Alicia. Me. <laughs> Everybody's coming all at once, but they actually told me that they're not leaving until Sunday, so they won't get here until Sunday night. So you'll already be gone. Oh, okay. That's good. Good news, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cause I was so stressed, but today I moved out almost everything besides my daughter's bed out of her room. And I was like, I'm going to keep that up in there so that she could sleep in there until they get here. Mm-hmm. And also like, I need to break it down and put it into storage and I can't really do that on my own. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like you just moved in and I have to move her out of the room. (laughs) Yeah, which it really sucks because I'm so it's been nice to have my own space and her to have her own space. But I'm doing this to like help my sister out. And I hope that she could come out here, get a job and then get her own place eventually is the goal. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that's what happens. And then eventually I could have my own space again. And so can my daughter. So yeah, that's the goal. (laughs) I have to say, it's been nice to have my own place, you know, for so long, Mm -hmm. you know, it it was nice being able to save money living at my parents, but I just felt like I couldn't invite friends over or like dates or whatever, because I was dating at the time. So it was just kind of like weird. So it was kind of nice to just be like, you know, whatever I can do, whatever I want. Yeah. Except it's hard because my kids don't help me clean all the time. So yeah. it's irritating. But, Ugh, yeah. you know, at least it, it gets clean for a while and then they dirty it again. So they're not here this week. So um, hopefully my because my mom's going to be staying with me. So she's going to help me a little bit, get it more organized. So yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah. And my place has been organized since I moved in because I've been like a weirdo about everything. But like tonight I had six guests over and it was like chaos, (laughs) but I liked it. It was like such a good feeling to have everybody here and hanging out. We were eating Mm -hmm. pizza and it was nice, but like, it's still like the whole time I was like, oh my gosh, 
when they leave, I have to clean all this up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like stressing me out. Yeah. Because I'm like so OCD. It's like weirding me out. I didn't really know that about my, well, I kind of did, but like, it's more intense now that the entire place is my space mm-hmm. that I'm just like trying to keep it organized and sh- clean and straightened up. And it's just stressing me out. <laughs> so yeah. that's my life. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I don't know why I always do this to myself. It's like the most busy time of my life right mm-hmm. now. And I'm trying to organize things for when you come for when my sister moves in. And then here I go deciding to do a multi-parter. I'm like crazy. <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't know. No, but you're really, I feel like you're really good at those types for me. I, I would not be able to do a multi-parter just because I don't get that much information as I would like. Um, unless obviously well, I, I'm watching. So I know like there's that. a serial killer that you've been wanting to do and morbid just covered him and they did four parts for him. Oh, really? Yes. I saw it and I was like, huh. I haven't listened to them yet. And I was like, Oh, that's four parts. That's a huh. lot. Yeah. yeah. I probably would just, if I were to do one, I'd probably do two if they did four. Um, but yeah, usually ones like that, if they have so much information, they're good at like research. Me, I'd, I, I'm like so a mess right now. Well, it's also you get a good, um, a good uh, documentary or a good book, and it like gives yeah. you so much information. Like mm-hmm. the documentary that I was watching for my case this week, I was just like, okay, I guess this is going to be a multi parter because it was so much information and this case is actually it's a big case it's a big case from the um like early 2000s it's one that I know for sure you're gonna know what it is Mm -hmm. um I just wanted to cover it and I'm sorry trigger warning it is about another kid so I Uh apologize I tend to do those a lot but this case I feel like is one that if you have a a podcast you just have to cover because it's one of those Mm -hmm. that is Oh, it infuriates me this case. And Mm -hmm. it's one that I, ever since I heard about it, like this case came out when I was a kid and it it, like frustrated me then. And it still frustrates me now. Mm So, um, so this week I decided to do the case on the murder quote unquote of Kaylee Anthony. So, you know who that is, right? No. So it's unfortunate because I'm calling it the murder of Kaylee Anthony, but you might know it more famously by her mother's name, Casey Anthony. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So this is one of those cases that infuriates me every single time. I remember it because I'm older than you, obviously. So (laughs) way older. The fact that like, (laughs) well, obviously I don't want to say much. I'll say it like while you're saying it, but it's just. I found it like insane. Like I it's infuriating. Yeah, I it's could like not... what no. do you? Uh, it's yeah. infuriating. Uh-uh. So okay, let's get into it. So I am going to start this case on the night of July fifteenth, two thousand and eight, in Orlando, Florida, at eight uh, eight forty four p.m. when Cindy Anthony, Casey Anthony's mother, makes a nine one one call. She claims that her daughter. 22-year-old Casey Anthony has stolen her vehicle. She just got back, got it back from the impound, and she wants to press charges on her daughter. 
so right off the bat it's weird cops are like wait what you got you got this car back from your daughter and you want to press charges on her like why um but this is the first time that Cindy has seen her daughter in weeks while police are trying to figure out what is going beyond on between the mother and daughter who are screaming at each other they learned that the car had been stolen um that the car being stolen from them wasn't the only problem um so police arrive at the residence with detectives and at the time the detective in charge was john allen he was the officer who responded to the call and when they arrived they learned that her husband george lived there along with their daughter casey and her two-year-old kaylee marie anthony so the mom and daughter were screaming at each other and cindy tells police that her granddaughter is also missing along with this vehicle oh my gosh So George is trying to console his wife who just learned, just learned as she's calling, like, I haven't seen my daughter in weeks, like over a month. She just shows up here. My car's gone and I haven't seen my granddaughter either. And her daughter basically tells her, yeah, Kaylee is missing. And she's like, so she hasn't heard. So she basically hasn't heard from her. Like she hasn't contacted her mom this whole time. Right. Correct. So, and then her daughter's missing for how long? Like that she like a month. Yeah. So what's crazy to me is she was living with her parents while she had her daughter there too. Completely normal circumstance. Like I've literally been in that circumstance, but imagine your daughter leaves for a month and she comes back without your car and also without your granddaughter. And she was probably like calm completely calm yeah completely yeah oh by the way the my daughter's missing and so is the car but yeah no biggie like seriously oh the car's gone but oh hey guess what your granddaughter's also gone yes that's exactly what's happening that's so crazy so george um the grandfather was a former cop and cindy was a registered nurse they were loving parents who were help raising their uh, helping to raise their daughter alongside uh, alongside their granddaughter Cindy described Casey as a very lovable and light in their, of their life. Growing up, she was always popular and always had boyfriends. Her and Casey were inseparable since she was um, at a young age. They would do everything together. They would shop, do crafts, go on walks. They spent all of their time together. Um, when Casey turned 19, her t- life took a dramatic turn. Cindy said one day her daughter um, after, wait, I'm sorry. Cindy said one day after um, her daughter had gone to the doctor's appointment, she came up to her and said that she was afraid, but she had to tell her something, but she was really scared to tell her. And she ended up telling her that she was pregnant and she was scared that her parents were going to be mad at her. But Cindy and George were anything but mad at her daughter. So she was how old when she got pregnant? 19. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like me. I was so afraid to tell my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I was freaking 21, a full grown ass adult living on my own. And I was scared to tell my mom. So. <laughs> so funny. So she told her that she was pregnant. And Cindy told her that she wasn't mad and that she was excited that they were going to be grandparents. And it's pretty interesting to me. It never really comes up, but they didn't even care who the dad was. They were just like, okay, our daughter's pregnant and we're going to be grandparents. Like, 
this it is what it is and um did she have a boyfriend at the time she didn't Mm-mm. so no? I'm guessing she was just sleeping mm-hmm. around and she got pregnant and I'm sure Casey knew who the father was but she never told them and they didn't really care which is kind of really that's really interesting, interesting. yeah mm-hmm. they just never it never comes up again ever wow so just keep that in the back of your mind I guess it never comes like up again ever but weird so um she told Casey Cindy told Casey when she found this out she's like you're gonna be an amazing mom you're gonna be so good we're gonna figure this out this out it's gonna be fine um the ants um like I said the Anthony's didn't know who the father was and they didn't care to know on August 9th 2005 is when Casey gives birth to Kaylee Marie Anthony Cindy grabbed um Kaylee from her right away she was the first one to hold the baby before even her own mother and she looked into this baby's eyes and she's like oh my gosh she looks just like Casey did when she was born and she was just so in love with this baby right away she said that she fell in love with the little girl the second she um, laid eyes on her I feel like that's how every grandparent is for the most part, yes. <laughs> For the most part, if you're normal grandparents, yes. <laughs> Which is like, I my um, I don't know how I haven't announced this yet, but my roommates, Janelle and Ryan, that I was living with, told me a little bit after I moved out that they are pregnant too, and they're having a little baby boy. And I'm so excited because even I'm going to be like them, like, give me that baby. And they're gonna be like, um, that's my child but <laughs> I'm so excited, but yeah, it's like, you know, especially as a grandparent, cause our, they only had one kid and then she grew up. And then when she was 19, she had a baby too. So maybe they were just ready to have another baby in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the investigators start to un- unravel the inf- information, they, um, call on the missing persons, um, detective, Corporal Yuri Malich. When Detective Malich sits down with Casey at their home that night, he starts to paint a picture for them. She says that she dropped Kaylee off with a babysitter a month ago and the sitter refused to give Kaylee back. So this is her story. What? <laughs> and why wouldn't she even say anything? A month and she doesn't <laughs> say and I would call the cops in two seconds like what the um hell yeah like literally in an instant I'd be like what you don't want to give him back my kid all right I'll call the police no the cops are getting called immediately yeah that's strange weird but so when the police hear this they are shocked not expecting this to be the story so they have her take them to the um to the day that Kaylee was missing they're like okay take us back let's figure out where this started. So on June 16th, 2008, Casey told the detectives that at that time, she was an event planner at Universal Studios, Florida. She had dropped Kaylee off that morning before work. And when she returned that same day after work, no one was at the apartment where the nanny lived. The nanny had disappeared with her daughter. When she tried to call the nanny's phone several times, it kept telling her that the number was out of service. So Casey stayed there for a while at this apartment thinking like, well, maybe they'll show up. Maybe something. Did the grandparents know. work? Cause you know how sometimes 
grandparents don't work so they watch the kids for them like so remember the uh grandfather was a retired cop and the grandma was a nurse so the grandpa didn't work right right which but sometimes i mean how often do you like grandpa can you watch this kid like not that normal but I think he was doing part-time like PI work too you know like Mm -hmm. retired cops do all the time oh Um, yeah that makes sense but also they lived on a different part of town and like Universal was over here and I think she dropped Casey off at this apartment that was close to her work so did the grandparents know who the alleged nanny was no no huh. so That's we'll get into that more oh, it doesn't, okay. Oh, okay so Casey then said that she drove around to local places that she knew that uh, nanny often took her daughter such as the local parks and mall but she couldn't find them she didn't want to go home because she knew that her parents would be upset with her for losing her daughter so she decided to go instead to her boyfriend's house Casey's parents had never um, met her boyfriend that she had so they didn't know where she was she said that she was afraid to call the police because she was scared that the nanny would hurt Kaylee she said that the nanny's name was Zanida Gonzalez nickname Zanny the nanny she describes her as half black half Puerto Rican and about 25 years old she said so that wait this- a minute she didn't call the police or anybody nope because she was afraid like what normal person would be like oh my child's missing I, I'm not going to call the police at all like I'm right. going to just you know go to my boyfriend's house oh no if out. I went to work in the morning left my daughter somewhere and came home at night and she was gone I would first of all shit a brick and then mm-hmm. I would be calling every single person I could think of mm-hmm. the cops, the SWAT, the FBI, <laughs> everybody I could think of. Yeah. I would for sure. That's crazy. And then she went to her boyfriend's house. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's a little sketch. It is this whole <laughs> situation. Uh-huh. So she says that um, this lady is her regular sitter and she has been watching Kaylee for a couple of years. So Kaylee is only two and a half at this time. So basically since she's been born. Mm-hmm. Malich tells Casey to take them to this nanny's apartment right away. So he's like, take us there. Let's like figure out what's going on. When they arrive, Casey points towards the unit and says, that's Zendaya Gonzalez's um, apartment right there. When they go and peek inside through the blinds, they see that the apartment is completely empty. Detectives search through the night for any sign of Kaylee. They don't find anything. They're like, I don't know. She tells us that this nanny has her. We go there. It's completely empty. It's a whole weird situation to them. Mm -hmm. So former corporal of the sheriff's office, Eric Edwards, was a part of the homicide division. He said that the missing children cases usually don't end well after this long of time missing. She mm-hmm. was missing for a month. Yeah, before a she came month. back. Yes. Yeah, I know. So, and she didn't even call the cops. Her mom did. Yeah. Her mom was like, what do you mean your daughter's missing? What are you saying? So she calls the cop. It's just, oh, I don't know, this whole case. Ooh. It's almost like she went brain dead or something. Like something happened to her that she's like, like there's no reality like your daughter's missing you've been missing for a month and you just in your house like nothing yeah. happened like show up without your parents car oh my and god also your child yeah 
So the police went to the media and tried to spread the word of Kaylee to get her found. Um, Jane Valez Mitchell was a crime reporter at the time, and she said that this story immediately blew up. It was everywhere. You have a young, beautiful mom and a young two-year-old baby girl who goes missing after she is left with someone that she trusted and knew And she was just gone. And it was the nation's nightmare at the time. Like your child goes missing after she's with somebody. Supposedly she has been watching her for years. Yeah. That was like the story that Casey is painting of her daughter. Um, So um, Jane Velez Mitchell was saying um, that while police waited for the media frenzy to roll in tips, they turned to searching for this nanny. They start at the manager's office of the complex where Casey said the nanny lived, but they said that the unit had been vacant for months. In fact, they said um, Zaneda Gonzalez never lived there. Nobody by that name ever lived at that complex. So the police pick some random place and be like, yep, that's where she lives. And a random name like Zaneda (laughs) Gonzalez. Like that's such a random name. Mm -hmm. So the police are like, okay, we thought we had this lead. Now we have to start looking elsewhere. Um, Casey had confided in two of her coworkers at Universal Studios about the incident that happened with the nanny. So Malich decides that his next step is to go to Universal, talk to Mm -hmm. these coworkers and start to establish a timeline since Kaylee went missing. So he sets up a meeting with the manager at Universal Studios and gets a huge shock. Casey Anthony hasn't worked at Universal Studios for over two years. And neither have the two co-workers that she named. Oh my God. So when Malich realizes that there's deception and lies that are just spewing from Casey, he decides to question why, where is this child? And could she possibly have caused the disappearance of her own child? I I'm feel j- like I would think instantly, like with all, everything that she was saying, like, I would think that they would want to look at her. You know what I mean? Well, I think it was always in the back of their mind, but they have to follow these leads first. Yeah. You know, they, they should have had people looking at both leads, to be honest, because. Yeah. But how many departments have that many resources and that much mm-hmm. money and time to spend? Yeah. I know. That's, really a, that's the really sad part about it is I feel like they would have found out sooner if they would have followed like her and like her potential like other suspect. Exactly. Yeah. I agree, but it, I don't know, this case is so infuriating, Mm -hmm. so uh, we're only partially into it. So July 2008, they decide to set a trap to get answers out of Casey. They pick her up and take her to Universal Studios, where she claims to work, to see how she would react. They were met at the entrance by Malich and the Universal um, Security Director, and they all watch as she interacts with the guard and says, he's like, I'm sorry, we don't have a Casey Anthony that works here. And she's like, um, no, I work here. Check again. So he gives her, she even gives her supervisor's name and his extension, but he again says those names aren't in the system. Like she's literally coming up with lies right in front of them. So Lyle did she ever Lyle, work there? 
She did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two years ago, like when her child was born. Oh my God. Like it's so been she years. never went back. Right. Wow. So lie after lie starts to be built by Casey and the supervisor cuts in just telling them to let her into the building because they want to see where she's going mm-hmm. with this. Because like, where the fuck could she be like, yeah, how going with these go? lies? Yeah. yeah. As they're walking through the building, she's waving at people and saying hi. And one of the detectives says, I see her like interacting with these people as if she knows them. And they're looking at her like, who the fuck (laughs) is that? Like what? And they're rounding corner after corner until they come to a dead end hallway that goes nowhere. And that's when she turns to face them and says, I don't really work here. That's when they tell her, yeah, we know. It's oh my god conversation how crazy can you be to lead them there act like you work there like that's not oh something my god hard for them to figure out that you don't work somewhere oh that's so it's weird crazy. but i think that to me personally i think that she's trying to distract them from what they should be searching for mm-hmm. which is where's kaylee you, you know? would think after all these lies you're like okay no we're looking at this woman now which they are they're trying yeah. to go to her work to establish uh-huh. a timeline yeah and this is what happens they're like uh <laughs> wow that's just insane that she took it that far it's like oh my god people yes. can be so crazy <laughs> the story and this story is really sad it's so sad um mm-hmm. at this point they thought that they had caught her they thought she was going to confess and tell them exactly where her child was they were just mm-hmm. like come on we caught you red-handed not only does this nanny not exist but neither do you work at universal mm-hmm. studios like they thought she was going to confess so Malich takes the lead in the interrogation audio which i listen to it's really interesting because there's a lot of audio and video for this case that like mm-hmm. Send your skin just crawling listening mm-hmm. to this woman mm-hmm. um so on july 16th 2008 they started by telling her that so far all they have told her or told them is a lie base but casey claims it's not a lie and she really doesn't know where kaylee is all they want to know is the truth from her to help her find their they're like why are you telling us lies every lie that you're telling us is delaying time for us to find your daughter. If mm-hmm. that's really your goal to help find your daughter, why are you lying? Mm-hmm. This nanny is a lie where you work is a lie. Help us find your child. Yeah. It's like frustrating the detectives. And they're just looking at this woman who's just telling them lie after lie. They're like, come on, where is your daughter? Yeah. And um, <laughs> so They tell her that if she wasn't wasting their time with all these lies and deception, they could have been focused on finding Kaylee. Casey insists that at the the last time she saw Kaylee was when Zaneda had taken her at her apartment complex. The detectives told her that this was a lie because the office told them that the unit had been vacant since March. They Mm -hmm. even pulled surveillance video and said that she hadn't been at the complex at all that day that she claimed to be there Hmm. she tells the cops that she is scared that her mom will be mad that her child was taken to which munich uh uh, not munich (laughs) mullich responds wait a minute you're more scared of your mother's reaction not that you'll never see your child again oh my god to which casey responds no 
I'm scared, absolutely petrified. I know my mom will never forgive me. I might never forgive myself because there's a chance I'll never see Kaylee again. But she doesn't cry once. She doesn't break down once. Like this is a two. I wouldn't even be able to speak. Like I I would be care what the fuck my mom thought if my child. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't literally be in tears. Like I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to get words out. Yeah. Yeah. But she's able to speak and get all these lies out. She's trying to build an alibi for herself and it's just crumbling piece by yeah, piece. Yeah, taking them on like a scavenger hunt or whatever. A wild goose hunt when what go. matters <laughs> is where the hell is this child? Yeah. You know? So the detectives, her behavior, to the detectives, her behavior is, is strange. She doesn't act urgent or scared at all. And the fact that her two-year-old is missing They thought she was acting so unconcerned that the child must be safe somewhere. At the time, the relationship, uh, relationship, (laughs) the relationship between Casey and her mom, Cindy, was super volatile. So they asked her, is there something going on where you didn't want the child around your mother? But she says, no, the nanny has her. Like, they're just trying to figure out why would this girl lie? Like, are you scared to have your child around your mom? Like what, what's going on? And she's like, mm-hmm. no, the nanny has her like, okay. She's still lying about it. That's just crazy. It's like, they're like, okay, there has to be something weird going on here. Why mm-hmm. would she not want to bring her child home to her grandparents who that should show her you to be there? Yeah. That not only that right there should show you that she had something to do with it. Like even before, like all these things, like no like you come home without your child you you did something i'm sorry after not a month. normal yeah no it's not normal so they charge her under child neglect hoping this will lead her to confessing where the child was cindy is terrified for her daughter she gets a call from casey as she explains why she is arrested cindy tells her to just tell the the police everything she knows so she can help her find kaylee Casey just gets mad at her and keeps asking her for her boyfriend's number. So while Casey's in jail, like, oh my God, mom, I was arrested under child neglect. Like, and Cindy's just telling her, like, tell them where your child is. She's like, give me my boyfriend's number so I could call him. Oh, that's so gross. Right? Like, you care about your boyfriend more than your your missing two-year-old? Yeah. It's disgusting. So Cindy passes the phone to a family friend who's there at the time who's unnamed. And she asks Casey, why are they hearing that she is not concerned at all about Kaylee and she hasn't cried or showed any emotion? This family friend is like, what? What kind of mother does that? What, like, Mm -hmm. show your concern. To which she responds, Casey responds saying, she hadn't been crying every minute of the day. It's not a crime for me to cry every time somebody brings up my ta- daughter's missing. Um, and she's like, I have to stay composed when I'm talking to detectives. I can't just break down crying every time. But she hasn't uh, broke down crying once. Geez. That's the thing. I'm like, she is like a cold, cold stone, like monster. With a cold heart. Yeah. Like if my child was missing every single time I was talking to detectives I would cry mm-hmm. like the fact that she thinks she has to sit composed what the fuck does that have to do with anything I would yeah. be bawling my eyes out if my daughter was missing oh yeah for sure I'm sorry like all of this it was just like no 
It's it's just mm-hmm. weird. It, it makes her look like a monster. I freak no out when my kids have cuts, like, and they're what? bleeding. I'm like, I start to get a panic attack. So can you imagine, like, if my child was missing, I'd be like, and that actually did happen to me. Did I tell you? Nathan, when I was pregnant with Lucas, he, my cousin was, we were at the mall, you know, like the, the walkout mall here, out here. Yeah. So we were there, we were all there, like my family and everything. We were just walking and I wanted to rest a little bit. And then me, and I think it was me and my husband, we wanted to go into the sunglass shop. So we come out and I go, where, where's Nathan? And she's like, what do you mean? I said, I asked you to watch him out here, like, cause you were out here and she's like, you did. And I'm like, where is he? And I'm like, I'm pregnant, like big, like, I don't know how many months I was. I was like pretty big. And I was like, oh my God, where is my child? And I'm panicking. I'm like, oh mm-hmm. my God. So I raced down. Thank God I found him, but I was like literally in a panic. And okay, that was- I am a single mom with a daughter named Penelope <laughs> and she has done that to me 50 times in my yeah, life. Yeah, and you freak yeah. out, but we Oh, we I have found like him, thankfully, but still. Yes, you freak out. I, oh I my always God. try so, to tell my so daughter. So I'm sorry, having a month gone with your kid and you're not crying at all? No. If my child's uh-huh. gone for more than 10, 15 minutes and I don't know where she's at, I freak the fuck out. Yeah. So I can't, I literally can't imagine. Mm-hmm. It's just, ugh, yeah. And that's just, this is just the beginning. Like this is just part one and we're only halfway mm-hmm. through. <laughs> yeah, that's- so even to the detectives who listened to this call, they thought it was strange that she was instead just trying with all her might to get her boyfriend's number, which his name was Tony Lazaro. She was so concerned. Like, just give me Tony's number. Just give me. Oh gosh. Like what? <laughs> this is when they decided that something is strange and they need to follow this lead ASAP. So they head over to Tony's apartment. Mm -hmm. So they were thinking like, okay, she's so her child's missing. She's not concerned about it at all. All she wants is her boyfriend's number. Like maybe her child's over there. Like they're like Mm -hmm. something weird is happening here. So Clint house, a former friend of Casey's talks about the couple's relationship. He lived with Tony Lazaro and said that they shared an apartment at the time in Orlando. He said it was um, ver- very nerve wracking when 20 police officers came searching into their apartment, even though Tony was shocked because he didn't know Kaylee was even missing. What? Could- yeah. So, oh, it's so infuriating. So how could a child be missing for 31 days and this be the first time that they're hearing of it? Oh, Casey and Tony had started dating at the end of April in 2008. That was the first time they met that um, she came over to their apartment. Only a few weeks into the relationship was when she brought Kaylee around them. And Tony was um, like, like the child and so did Clint. Clint was actually in the documentary that I saw, which was really interesting. Like Mm -hmm. he's a third party in it. But like, imagine your friend is like dating this girl who has a kid and she brings the kid over all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Clint said that the first time that Kaylee came over, I'm sorry, I'm going to get emotional because this case is so sad. But so he said that Kaylee walked through the door with big sunglasses on and she looked at them and said, 
what's up dudes <laughs> like so cute <laughs> so cute um he said that he, um she was super intelligent and for for a two-year-old he's like I couldn't believe how much she was talking and stuff and she could count tell her them her colors um she had a very strong bond with her mother he's like I never suspected anything weird was ever going on between her and her mother like they were so close and they were so cute together mm-hmm. um in the first couple of weeks Casey would bring Kaylee around and at three we um at least three times a week as time went on however he saw less and less of Kaylee until eventually just Casey was around and mm. this started around June time which is uh. when Kaylee went missing during this time Casey never told them that their, her daughter was missing never told her boyfriend and his roommate that she hey bring you my kid around bring you my kid around all of a sudden she's not coming around she would just say did they oh. say how she acted like when she wasn't there like when she would come over and her daughter wasn't yeah, there anymore? so they asked her like hey where's Kaylee like what's going on she's like oh she's with my parents or oh she's with my nanny so she's just lying even to her her boyfriend like oh, wow it's like she didn't care at all mm-hmm. never nothing ever stood out to them to make her or to make them think that something bad had happened because she mm-hmm. wasn't acting like something bad had happened yeah. which is so crazy it's just so crazy to me like if she didn't have anything to do with Kaylee's disappearance she would be freaking the fuck out right she yeah. be acting like everything's normal it's just weird no. no that that no that's just strange that she would bring her over all the time and all of a sudden never again like that's just strange right it's just it's just weird it, it's it's not weird I'm sorry it's evil is what mm-hmm. it is and so. the fact that she supposedly stayed at her boyfriend's for a month and yet like what yeah, do you so think her boyfriend would be like child Mm-hmm. well they did and they're like where where's Kaylee and she's that, like oh she's with my parents no oh, but I'm saying like if she was living with him for that month that entire month wouldn't you think he would be like why aren't you going home to see your daughter like that entire time well you he's know probably I mean? like oh she's just saying she's with her parents so obviously she doesn't care I couldn't like, go a month without seeing my kids right so instead of the boyfriend being weird about this it's like what the fuck is wrong she was oh, okay not that I'm saying it's okay, but she was super young and stuff too. So maybe people were like trying to justify it in their heads because they didn't want to think the worst. Mm-hmm. But it's like you add all this stuff up. It's like, what? It, yeah. It, yeah. I, I don't know. It's weird. So weeks go by and police have nothing. While going through case files, John Allen finds something else. There had been not one but three 911 calls made that night by Cindy Anthony against her daughter. Detectives realized while going through the tapes that right before they had arrived on July 15th, Cindy had made another call. She claims that after she had gotten their daughter's car out of the impound, they were able to inspect it. And literally you listen to the call and Cindy says, it smells like there has been a dead body in the car. Oh right at God. that, moment. and they barely hear it. Then, yes, like, that's later? how long it takes. Yes, what? That's, that's how crazy. long it takes. 
So right at that moment, the police confiscate the car. It was a 1998 Pontiac Sunfire. It belonged to the Anthony family, but Casey had used it as a hand-me-down car. Mm-hmm. Edwards, Mullich, and Allen searched through the car and immediately discovered something very disturbing. The entire car smelled extremely strong of decomposition. Oh, God. All of them had smelled this very dis- distinct dis- smell before in their careers, and they knew exactly what it was right away. That gives me chills. That's just like, uh, right. Like that's imagine your daughter is missing for a month. She brings your car back. It smells like death and your granddaughter is missing. Yeah. I would, I would tell them right away. Like if I smelled something like that, I'd be like, um, that's what she did. That's what she did. But it took detectives this long to hear them. That's what I don't get the disconnect. She called so she three times them? that night. Yes. She called oh. the first time. I want to, I want to charge my daughter. I'm stealing my car. My, da- my granddaughter's missing. I want to also report that my car smells like decomposition. So she and did say all that and they barely, oh my God. Yep. Which blows my mind because that's how long it takes for investigations. It's crazy. Oh, geez. So, um, A dead body had been in the car and they brought in cadaver dogs and they knew right away that it was coming from the trunk. They opened it up and they could tell that um, it was vacuumed and like attempted a clean, but they gathered evidence as much as they could because there was a spot, literally a spot of blood the size of a child. Like that's what the size of the blood spot was. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff Ashton was the prosecutor on the case. He says that additional, uh, um, additional to the smell, they could see that stain in the trunk of the liner. And they said it was the size of a small child. They took samples. So they literally cut out a piece of that carpet from the trunk and they took out human hairs that they found in the trunk as well. Oh God. They said, um, that they sent it to forensic evidence And this is when they realized that they might not be looking for a missing child, but a dead one. Mm -hmm. This is when they called George and Cindy to question them about the vehicle because it was technically their vehicle. And they said that they first found the vehicle when Casey had abandoned it. Apparently, it had run out of gas at a check cashing place. And they found out about it when they had gotten a note in a mail saying, hey, your car's impounded. Come get it. When they went hmm. to go to the tow yard and took possession back, they noticed that um, the vehicle was there. Police then decided to press Cindy on the dead body spell in the car and that she had reported on that 911 call. Cindy said that she could smell the odor when they first got the car back. And they said it was so bad that they opened all the doors and tried to air it out. And when she opened the trunk, she said there was a bag of trash in there that she threw away. Um, that's interesting Kevin Barry was the former Orange County Sheriff said when they asked for her testimony she found and Cindy tried to say that when she found that bag of trash in the trunk that it had been um, old pizza in there so she was trying to claim and the pizza had maggots on it so she was trying to claim that the smell was from pizza rotting I'm sorry. Pizza rotting (laughs) and a body rotting is completely different. I have smelled rotten food 
I've never smelled a dead body, but I've smelled rotten food and I guarantee to okay. probably I have smell a dead body, but it was a formaldehyde body. Mm-hmm. I've never smelled a decomposing de- body, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is worse than a formaldehyde body. And probably um, worse than a rotten pizza. I'm sorry. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. So when detectives heard this, they were like, okay, is she possibly in denial about the fact that Kaylee was dead? Or because she was helping raise her daughter and her granddaughter, did she feel responsible for this? They Mm -hmm. didn't think that it was malice of any kind. They just thought she was trying to justify what was going on in her head when Mm -hmm. she was learning about these things. So George pulled them aside and told them at the interview um, off camera, he was not sure what happened, but for him, he believed He was like, I believe something bad happened, but I, he's like, it's so hard for me to believe as a former cop that I could have raised somebody who Mm -hmm. could have done this to a child, which like, imagine you found that out that your child did something like this to their own child. Mm-hmm. it's sad it's I think really- we've talked about that before like how we if our child had done something like yeah but how imagine like they did it to their own child which is your grandchild like yeah that's a whole other level of like I'm sorry I love you but you're gonna burn in hell and you're gonna go to jail for what you did and you would think her dad being a cop that he would know right away look you need to look into my daughter because she's kind of acting well, that's weird why they and- called the cops right away and this is how long it took they didn't have any evidence at all because guess to what? Her. yeah nobody no crime that's yeah. the issue here Mm-hmm. So um, they visited Casey in jail, her parents did. Mm-hmm. And what was so crazy about the times when they visited her was every visit that they did with her was on video. It was all recorded. And mm-hmm. so I watched a few of these visits that they had with Casey and it was, I don't, I can't imagine being her parents because mm-hmm. it like um, Casey knows that these are being recorded too. Mm-hmm. So one time they went in to visit her and she was crying saying that she didn't look good. That's what she was concerned about. She's like, Oh, I don't look good. I look so like stressed out and this and that. Oh God. And um, they're just trying to get information from her. They're mm-hmm. like, come on, please Casey. Like if you know anything and she's like I don't know anything and it's like it's like her parents are trying to tiptoe around this explosive personality because mm-hmm. they they want to know where their granddaughter is too but they're scared that Casey is going to blow up and then not tell them anything mm-hmm. so they're trying to coerce this from her and through the this whole exchange since Casey knows it's being recorded she wants to say something but she doesn't you can tell she's like well you know, certain things like I know, but I can't say. And her parents are just like, come on, Casey, please just tell us something. Um, so her mom asked her, she's like, what does your, your gut tell you about Kaylee? And Casey responds and she says, I, my gut is telling me that she's okay. And that she's close. I just, I know in my heart that she's not far. <laughs> so they're like, what do you mean like that? the sitter has her and she's just like 
I just, I feel in my gut that she's not far. So they, it's like, they're trying to get information out of her and she Mm -hmm. just won't give it. So investigators are still looking into Zenaida Gonzalez and they finally find her. They pull her in for questioning and could she possibly know where Kaylee is or could this Zenaida Gonzalez, this nanny, could could she have killed this child? Mm -hmm. But she didn't live where Casey said she did and she wasn't as young as she said she was. I just literally think they Googled Zenaida Gonzalez (laughs) and they found this woman this poor woman's like I don't know what's happening yeah so come to find out she isn't connected and hasn't met them at all she said this story that Casey is spinning is all a lie she's just making shit up Mm -hmm. so is she not just um negligent like is Casey negligent mother or is she a murderer did she kill her child Mm So, well, I mean, obviously finding this lady and she's not like, she doesn't know who these people are should show you this woman had something to do with her daughter's disappearance. There's just no way. So are they like, was an, was an accident? Like, did something accidentally happen or did she like kill her child? Mm -hmm. That's like what they're trying to figure out. And Casey keeps investigators at arm's length. She's not telling them anything at this point. She even gets a lawyer through a co-inmate at the jail. And his name is Jose Baez. He is the type of lawyer that you need if you're trying to get off on doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And once he gets involved, investigators access to Casey shuts down immediately. They can't, can't get close to Casey at all. In the meantime, her parents start a huge search, search for Kaylee. They make shirts, put out flyers, and went on several searches. Tim Miller, the founder of Texas EquiSearch, which is an organized organization for searches of missing people, says that Sydney called him asking for help. Um, he flew to Florida because he's from Texas. He flew mm-hmm. to Florida right away, right as soon as he got the search or this request from her mm-hmm. and he said the first search that he put on was 4200 people and they searched for four weeks for where did they search girl. everywhere at all the like um wooded areas all the um water areas they sent divers they sent dogs they sent helicopters every resource they could pull out to find this little girl and they couldn't find her find her Mm-hmm. Overnight, this became another media frenzy because Florida had several public records laws claiming that like any videos of any part of this investigation were leaked immediately. So Casey literally became overnight the most hated woman in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she literally. Was. Yes, she was. Everybody hated her. And they just wanted to know where this little girl was. Mm-hmm. On August 21st, Casey was released on bond and put on house arrest. This is when people became furious. Pro- protesters surrounded the house shouting for justice for Kaylee and telling them that they are harboring a child killer. 
literally George and Cindy had to stand on their own lawn and fight just for people to back off Mm -hmm. because people were saying that woman killed a child. Like you're harboring a child. What would you do? Would you let your child come into the house? No, I would say I will not, not let you out on bond. You have to sit and rot in jail until we find her. Yeah. I would not let her out on bond. So her parents paid for her to get out? No, she she came out on bond because of her lawyer, pretty much. Uh, huh. And her parents, like, I get it. I get her parents feeling bad for her, but I don't care. If my child had a child and that child was missing and the story was that fucked up, I'd be like, mm-hmm. no, you're sitting in there or yeah. you're going to a halfway house because I'm not going to house you mm-hmm. when we're looking for your child. I'm sorry, but yeah, I don't no. think I would want to either. I wouldn't. I don't care. I wouldn't. So um, police are fighting to find evidence um, of a murder before they can even press charges. Finally, the results from the hair and carpet samples from the back of the car came in at this time. They believe they have enough probability cause to indict her on homicide of a child, which happened to Kaylee, still unknown. A few months later, on, a, on the morning of December 11th, 2008, a shocking discovery is made. An Orange County emergency utility worker named Roy Cronk made a stop along his normal route to basically take a piss when he catches something at the corner of his eye. He sees something that looks like human clothing. He goes over to it, grabs a stick, and pokes at it for a second when he becomes frightened. He ran back to his work truck, called his boss, and his boss immediately called the police. Police quickly respond to quarter off the area and collect what they found, which was human remains. Dr. Jan, um, where did they say it was? Vagilia. Um, it was off of, it was literally raf- randomly found off of the side of the road in a wooded area in Orange County. So this utility worker driving along, he's like, oh shit, I got to piss, gets Wasn't out. Wasn't it pretty close to her parents' house? It was, yeah, which we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. So she said on the scene, she arrived on scene. She was a medical examiner for the Orange County. She said that there were two large trash bags, two large black trash bags, a torn canvas bag, and there were bones in the bag and around the bag in which vegetation had started to grow, which included a skull of what they believed was a tiny two and a half year old toddler. And that is where we are ending part one is when these remains were found. Mm. Yeah, I kind of remember a lot about this case. Um, and it, it's it's pretty sad, like the ending of it. Like, I just can't believe it. I know, know the way the ruling goes and stuff, which we yeah. will get into next episode. But I know just, just the whole thing all together. It's just crazy. It's so and- infuriating because like. Like I said, if my child was missing, I wouldn't go a month hanging at my boyfriend's Mm-mm. partying. No. If I, even if I thought some babysitter took her, like I would be fucking 
devastating. I mean, look at how I was with a breakup. Can you imagine me like missing a <laughs> child? Like, no, no. Like, I lose my child in the store for 0.5 seconds and I lose my shit. Yeah. Exactly. So, like this story is just so sad to me because like, even if, which we'll get into it later, but even if you're not capable or willing, cause you're so young to raise a child, like her parents yeah. Wanted to raise this child. Like uh-huh. give your child to your parents. She could have been know. like, look, I don't want to be a mom anymore. Can you keep my kid? And they probably would have been gladly. Have. Yeah. Absolutely they would have. And it's just so sad to me. I mean, I've seen neglect and terror with a child before. And mm-hmm. it's just really sad to me because I'm like, if I had more resources in my life, I'd be like, all the sad children in the world come to me. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. don't have those resources. I have the resource to bring my sister and my niece into my life. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm doing. And it's just like, I don't know. These type of situations are just so sad. And yeah. we're going to get into it next episode. What actually happened to Kaylee. And I know it's a very popular case. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have heard about it. But all these details are just so... Like you rehear the story and you're like, oh shit, I forgot about that. Like, yeah, because it happened could... quite a bit of like what ten years ago or I don't know how long it was. Oh, it was Wait, 2008. Eight, so yeah. it was too bad. <laughs> I don't want to like think right now. Years, 14 years ago, like yeah. that's a long time ago, and like cases like these is just it's so sad because these kids, it's like. She was two and a half. She and she was such a good, life. happy, smart child. Like, you know, yeah, your niece, like, like two and a half. It's like, that's when you're completely still innocent. You have think your, of your niece whole like, life ahead of you. Yeah. You my six year old is the most sassy little brat in the universe. <laughs> and I would never think of doing anything like this to her. Yeah. It's uh-huh. just like, it's really sad. It's like, I don't know. Oh gosh. This case, like I was watching it. I was getting emotional I probably would too. Recording it. Like Uh it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And she was so cute. Oh my gosh. I know. I was, I looked up a picture of her to try to remember. And I was like, oh my gosh, this little girl. So cute. Yeah. And it's like, she had her whole life ahead of her. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we'll get into it next episode. But the way she supposedly went, Mm -hmm. fucking lies. Fucking lies. And I know that the justice system doesn't always get people the way that we want them to but god will god will get you in the end so unless she repents and gets baptized but (laughs) shut up i don't want her (laughs) i don't either trust me but (laughs) gosh but trying to live that godly life (laughs) (laughs) it's hard yeah especially with a person like her I just hope that God is like, well, no, 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 no. I know that God is like living with this child in heaven and she's in paradise now. Oh, it's just so sad. But I don't know why I keep doing these sad child cases. It's really sad. But I just felt like this one, it's a famous case. But like I said, like a lot of people don't know all the little details. Which I probably don't. I knew a lot, but not probably as much as you're going to tell, but yeah, yeah, it's just, it's good to get it out there because maybe it'll make the, the police kind of be more on top of things, you know, yeah, I and hope not be so. like, Oh, no, I hope so. But she was a, a pretty young white girl, yeah. you know, and I, 
no, the detectives did a really good, a really good investigation into this case. Like all of the detectives involved, they knew from the beginning something weird was going on. I just feel like, I mean, it wouldn't have changed the outcome because she was already dead anyway, but still maybe obviously the other outcome that you're going to tell would have changed. You know what I mean? You would hope, but I just, okay. I, as her parents, not saying that her parents did anything wrong, because I don't think they did. I just think. No, because they they called the police right away. So yeah, but like if my daughter was missing for a month and I thought she was at her boyfriend's and then she came back without her daughter right away, they called the cops. But I'm like, I would have. I would think after a week. I would think after. They were. They were probably calling her like Casey. Where are you? Where's Kaylee? But if she didn't answer after like a week, I would have been like, my daughter's missing after a week. Yeah, but it was not 2008. It's different than times now. Mm -hmm. You know, I still, if my child was an adult and was missing for a week, I would be like, cell phones weren't a big thing. But still, like if you if I can't get a hold of you in a week, like no, I'm calling the police. No, I think they were able to get a hold of her. She just wasn't coming home. Like, what if she's like, oh you know if they said anything, like if they were able to get a hold of her, like between that time? They were, but they never saw Kaylee the whole time. And that was weird to them. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure Casey, because Casey was spinning these stories since detectives got involved so i'm sure before then mm-hmm. casey was spinning those stories before yeah too. you know it's like i i literally picture not that my sister in a billion years would ever do this but because she's at the same age and so is my niece i just picture that situation mm-hmm. if my sister went missing and she's like oh i don't know i took your car and i took my daughter and we never came back for a month and all of a sudden i come back here's your, your car's an impound and my daughter's missing. Like my parents would freak the fuck out, but also like my sister's an adult. They wouldn't be like, where's, where are you? Where's Audrey? Like, you know, it's like, Mm I don't know. It's a, it's a very interesting situation. It's very sad because those poor grandparents, I feel like if Casey thought that she couldn't handle it or whatever, her parents would have handled it yeah it would have been fine and Casey would have been fine and Kaylee would have been fine but that's not what happened it's so Mm -hmm. tragic it's so tragic yeah it is for sure my heart breaks for that child Mm -hmm. I don't think I I probably I don't know how you did it I wouldn't be able to tell the story it's really I, hard. I would probably <laughs> I be crying. I almost broke down when I just even talked about her saying, what's up, dudes? With sunglasses yeah. on, I almost broke mm-hmm. into tears, which I am right now. But next episode, we're going to get into the trial. And the way the story ends is so infuriating. Mm-hmm. So infuriating. But we're going to, we'll get into that. Yeah. So if you listen sure. to this part, don't look it up, people, unless you already know. I mean, know you probably already know, but uh, yeah. all the little details are just uh-huh. like, what the fuck? It's yeah. so sad. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. But thank you for listening. <laughs> yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> and we have, we're so grateful because our podcast has been blowing up mm-hmm. lately because of dicks getting cut off. <laughs> yeah (laughs) but definitely follow us because we have barely any followers on camp Camp final Final girls Girls. 
<laughs> on Instagram. Yes. Email we, us we, on Camp Final Girls Pod at Gmail. Uh-huh. Like if you have suggestions or stories or whatever you have. Yeah, anything we just would appreciate. Like we just love all of our listeners. You guys are amazing. Yes, you are. But I, I guess I'll be back next week with part two <laughs> that I didn't plan, but that's okay, I guess. But good night, everybody. Thank you for good joining night. us. Have Thanks, a everyone. good Monday. <laughs> <laughs>